Go ahead and have a seat, and um, let me remind you of why we gather here. I'm sure you thought about this on your way into church. This is what you thought. Guess what? I'm going to church to be equipped today. This is what, why the church of Jesus Christ meets on a regular basis. We're here to lift high the name of Jesus with our lives, with our voices, but then we're here to open our hearts to be equipped to love God more, to learn how to love people, and to learn how to love our neighbors with the end goal in mind is that our goal is to win people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to influence the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, last week we talked about the fact that in the end times, the, the Bible tells us that God will pour out his spirit afresh and anew on the earth and on people and people will be receptive to the word. And that Jesus said, when we get to the end and we get close to my coming, the gospel of this kingdom is going to be preached throughout the entire earth and to all the nations, and then the end will come. How fun is it that we get to be the people to take that message? And how fun has it been that we get to partner with ministries like Time to Revive that is taking the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom to other nations and having a major impact. It is our privilege today to have Kyle Martin back. It's not, it's not Carl Martin, it's Kyle Martin, right? <laughs> can I tell him the story? <laughs> so like in Africa, they presented he and Laura with these mugs and had their pictures on them and they gave Laura her mug with the picture of the family and then his mug said Dr. Carl on it. So we're going to call you Dr. Carl from now on, all right? Sounds good, all right? But we love you, and we love what Time to Revive is doing. We're going to hear about what's happening in Malawi. We've been able to partner with this ministry in this way. I'm not going to talk anymore because I want to give him all the time of the world. Let's, let's welcome to our platform Kyle Martin again one more time. <laughs> Never tell Phil stories. That's what I just learned. Uh, good morning. Uh, it's a joy and an honor uh, to be back home. Uh, I love when you can sense the presence of the Lord. And he's here today. And I just want to say on behalf of my wife, Laura, who's watching, hello, Laura, we just want to say thank you for allowing us to come alongside First Baptist Church some of you don't know us, but we've been doing life with you guys for quite some time, and it really is an honor to be here to testify of God's goodness. And my encouragement for you today, I just want to show each one of you that God wants to move in your life. Not, not just Kyle's, not just Time to Revive's. Like, God has a plan and a purpose for everybody in this sanctuary, and I know people will be watching this online later for our friends in Africa, for our people online that are tuning in right now. Like, I just want you to be encouraged that God wants to do a, a new thing and it might not look the way you planned it. Man, I grew up on 7-Eleven Highland Drive in Middlebury. I can only say that here and you actually understand where that is. <laughs> but man, I didn't, the things I'm gonna talk about, I didn't grow up like this. I grew up going to church I was a licensed minister. Like, I knew the things. But as Phil said, when God wants to blow something fresh in your life, be open to it. 
You know, a year ago in June, June 27th, I was at my home in Richardson. I was sitting, I was sleeping next to my wife in our bed. Same bed we've had forever. I'm telling you that because nothing was different and I had a dream. I had a dream that I saw a stadium full of Africans and then the president of Malawi, Dr. Lazarus Chakwera, he called the whole nation to repent. By the way, I'd never been to Malawi. I've never really had dreams before like this. But I do know in scripture it says that dreams and visions are gonna keep happening until he comes back, as it says in Joel. So everything, remember this, whenever God wants to do a fresh thing, you test it according to the word. It doesn't have to be, it can be weird. And I remember I sat up and I looked at Laura and I said, Laura, I just had a dream that the whole nation was called to repent. And by the word, the way the word repent, it's not user friendly today. Now, just prior to that, in this June meeting, uh, in this June dream, I had a meeting in New York with the president himself when he came to visit the United Nations. You see, you have supported us doing what's called Revive School. Revive School is where we teach Genesis to Revelation. And through that, we've had 50 schools in Malawi. God has started Revive School. We're in 86 countries. That started in Sylvan Esch's barn in County Road 35 in Goshen. And now I'm meeting with the president outside the United Nations at his hotel, and I'm telling him about what God's doing in Malawi, and that's it. And now I have a dream, and I'm supposed to call him back and say, could you call the whole nation to repent? I've gone to a lot of school. They don't teach you how to make those phone calls. But what they do teach you is depend upon his voice. So I called the assistant to the president. I said, hey, would would you ask him about if he'd be willing to call the nation to repent? He said, let's pray. That's a good idea. So for two weeks we prayed, the next thing you know, what did we do? We prayed, I called back, and he said, here's what the president and the advisor would like to do. What we'd like to do is if you could get the church involved in Malawi, he's in. And I'm like, oh. So in January we went, having never been there, and I met with over 3,000 pastors. And I said, I believe God's calling this whole nation of Malawi to repent. Just by the way, whenever I say these things, it's not doesn't come easy for me. It's not like, oh, hey, okay, everybody, I don't know any of you, but God said you're supposed to repent. Anybody know the story of Jonah? <laughs> yeah, you laugh. I didn't want to be the Jonah that fled. So now I'm going to a country, by the way, it's called the warm heart of Africa. It's super receptive. And so I'm going there, and we are trusting that God wants to move. And over and over as we went in January, then we took a team of 41 of us in June and we rented four stadiums in Malawi. (laughs) The only stadium I've ever rented was at Fort Wayne because of Revive Indiana. Did anybody go to that, by the way? Yeah, that was my only prep. Again, you guys laugh, but it's not funny. (laughs) When you rent a stadium in Africa, I don't even know what to expect. But I had one thing that never changed, and it was the word repent. You see, when God calls you to something, don't change what he's called you to do. Don't add to it, don't come up with more things, just stay the course. And over and over as we went to Africa, over and over as we kept coming, you know what we kept hearing? God's grace, that's all I kept hearing on this trip. This is God's grace. This has nothing to do with you, this is my grace. And in the church, what I want to do is I want to unpack five simple ways that I believe 
God wants to show us his grace in our lives. Now, I'm going to tell you this, this word grace, right? Okay, we're going to see a lot of different slides that we're going to run with. But here, here's a definition, okay? I want to give you the definition of God's grace. And, and, and here you have, it's, it's in Hebrew, right? It just means gracious. It means to be considerate or to show favor. Okay, a lot of you guys you understand this. And if you go to the next slide, you're going to see this in the Greek. Uh, you're going to see grace is the state of kindness and favor towards somebody, often with the focus on a benefit, right? Given to the object. And this is the language as Christians, as a church, we know this language, unmerited favor, right? I, I, the reality is, is that we love this word and we know this definition. And we know that the first kind of, of grace, okay? I want to start giving you some language that I, I want to build on something, okay? And I want us to understand, first and foremost, we're all saved by grace. Okay, amen? You guys got a little charismatic on me there for a second. Look, when you're in Africa, you realize how much feedback you get. Again, you don't, apparently. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. Okay, watch this text, Ephesians 2, okay? It's gonna see it on your screen. <clears throat> but God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love that he had for us, he made us alive with the Messiah, even though we are dead in trespasses. It just, you realize, like, you are alive because of Christ. We were dead, and he brought us back to life. And in this, he says, you are saved by grace together with Christ Jesus. He also raised us up, and he seated us in the heavens why? So that in the coming ages, he might display, look at this, the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is the language that we know. This is the, the blue on your wristband, right? The faith. And this is not from yourselves. By the way, it is, it is a gift. In other words, you can't earn it, you can't work for it, you can't go to church enough, you can't read your Bible enough, you can't pray enough, you can't do enough of these things. You can't do any of that. The scripture says it's not from works, otherwise you'd stand up and boast about it. And what I think happens in the American church, and now I'm seeing in the African church, and really, honestly, I'm seeing it in churches across the nations, is that the church hangs out on this first mentality that we're saved by grace. But after that, we don't know what to do with God's grace. Oh yeah, man, I'm saved. In fact, you're gonna see some real fun pictures here. You know, when we, uh, well, let me go, go to the question. Let's do this. So what does it mean to be saved by grace? I think we need to answer this question. I want you to know, first and foremost, we are no longer under the law. You're no longer under the law, the scripture just says, right? But under grace, and it's a gift. And you don't have to have a relationship with God based on if you did good this week. I cannot tell you, every day God has called me to share the gospel for years now, every day. It has been, no school can teach me this, but interacting with people will. And 90%, 90, maybe 95, honestly, and it's probably the most accurate survey in the United States. I'm telling you this because I do it every day. Everybody says they're a good person. Everybody says I'm gonna have salvation because of I'm a good person today. I'm telling you, most people, Muslims, Hindus, Indies, everybody, this mentality is, is, I'm a good person. Let's just call it as it is. It doesn't work. You don't have to know all the other religions. You just have to know your good will never outweigh your bad. But you're saved by grace. 
And this is the message that when we went to Malawi in June, you're gonna, I think you guys can see some pictures here. These, these are, we went into four crusade locations. By the way, I don't even know that language of crusades, okay? Like that's not even something, but this is what they wanted. But if you can go to that pictures up here, you're gonna see these four pictures. These, this is us in four locations. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I remember, and we're in, we're in Balantyre, Balaka, Mizuzu, uh, and Lalongwe. Four cities, four, four communities. And I remember uh, we, were, we were driving in, in a car and we pulled into the stadium. And I was like, how do all these people know about this? You see, when God calls you to something, don't, don't try to figure it out. And I'm gonna even tell you this, and you're gonna like, oh, well, that's why we don't like this guy. <laughs> don't even budget God. What if I would have come up with the, oh, this is how much this is gonna cost, X, Y, and Z. I would have never done this. What I'm telling you is, is that when God communicates a message for you in his life, he wants you to deliver it. And the message that we communicated in Malawi was yes, repent and turn to the Lord. And in that, they were saved by God's grace. I don't release numbers. But I will tell you this for the sake of this church because you have sowed into this a whole lot. It's into the thousands and thousands and thousands. I will follow up with some more of this about our trip, but I want you to know it's first and foremost, a whole lot of people got saved by God's grace. We got a scripture here, Romans 6. So I just got back on Monday. This is real fresh for me. For sin will not rule over you, Romans 6, 14, because you're not under the law, but under grace. So Romans 11, uh, scripture then also continues. Now, if by grace, then it is not by works. Otherwise, grace ceases to be grace. It either works or it doesn't, amen? And I'm just gonna tell you, you know, most people, when you hear the message of evangelism, you're like, okay, he's gonna do the salvation message at the end. I'm gonna tell you the rest of the message won't make any sense to you unless you're saved today, right now. I'm gonna talk about everything else about experiencing his grace, but if you're not saved by his grace, which means you sin, I sin, everybody sins. Sounds like a song. <laughs> uh, my wife says, don't say those things out loud in your head. I think that's why we connect so well. Robin says the same things to you probably. But when we sin, it always leads to death. Every person in this room, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much you have, I don't care what you've done, sin is gonna lead to death for every single person. And because of death, that means you're separated from God. Can I take it one step further? That means actually hell. You know what hell actually means? It's not some fake place. It's real and it's live and it's burning. Who wants to go there? I'm telling you, sin leads to death, but by God's grace, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, and through his love, that sin and death can go away. And it's his love 
that gives us hope. And the scripture says, when you have faith in his love, you and I, every person can have eternal life. And that's the message that we got to communicate. You sent us. I felt like I was representing, I'm serious, FBC. Thanks for believing in us because this is the message that will change a nation. By the way, when it says, go therefore and make disciples of what? All, I actually am starting to get that. Because God is no longer calling me to a city. He's calling me to nations. And I actually believe that God wants Malawi to radically turn to him. I'm gonna tell you a couple stories. But first and foremost, you gotta understand it's because we're saved by God's grace. And I want you to know right now, you can receive Christ. You don't have to have an altar call at the end. You can do it right now. And when you embrace the saving message of Jesus Christ, then you'll begin to understand how to go through life. You see, when you're saved by grace, then you'll know how to, and here's your second point, then you can stand in his grace. I want you to understand that once you've experienced salvation, I want you to know now what to do with it. (laughs) It sounds kind of comical, but I actually think as I've learned and interacted, a lot of us don't really know the next step. And there's there's a phrase here, stand by grace. I want you to read Romans 5, one one through two, excuse me. It says, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, you, we, this is Paul writing, right? He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in what? Into which we stand. Everybody say stand. Stand. You can stand in his grace. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So the question is, is what does it mean to stand in his grace? Grace. How, how do you do it? How do you and I do this in Elkhart and Goshen and Middlebury and Bristol? I know your towns. This place changed my life. So how do you stand in his grace? It means that you and I have received an ongoing gift. It's, this is the grace upon grace. We're no longer under the law. All 613 commandments. You couldn't keep up with them, by the way. You can find complete security in our salvation in Christ. It will never depart, and you can be strong and stand in who we are. Let me just say this. Standing in his grace means you know your identity in the Lord. As school unpacks this week, my kids start school on Monday. That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. (laughs) Lord, where am I? (laughs) When you go to school, you know your identity in the Lord. When you're teaching, don't compromise, please. Don't compromise the ways of woke. Don't do it. Stand in the Lord. I'm telling you, the people in Malawi are willing to stand in the Lord. And it's not just in pockets, it's in the nation. And I think you can be rest assured, you can be a child of God when you understand you're standing in his grace. I have a, a couple of scripture verses and I'll tell you a story. John 1, 16, 17 says, Indeed, we've all received grace after grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You have received, just so you guys know, it's ongoing. This grace is not just, oh, a deposit, now you have it. No, you need it. And you can stand in it no matter what comes your 
way. I've got another verse up here on the, scri- on the screen here that you wanna go to. It says, I give them eternal life and they'll never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. When you believe this, you will stand differently. You won't stand without a backbone. You'll stand like I am a child of God. I say this all the time, but you guys, the church is the largest majority in our country. We should know how to stand in his grace. We're getting pushed around too much, you guys. We can stand in his grace. I was sharing the gospel. I was equipping a group of pastors, about 150 pastors. And we do just what we did in Revive Indiana. We do this everywhere. Now we're doing it in a different country. And so we would train them on discipleship. We gave them these wristbands and these cards. And then we, we sent them out. Well, I felt the Lord say, I want you to take specifically 200 gospel cards in bands. In English and in Chichera. And so I said, okay, so we get in a car. I just got done teaching on James and John in scripture. And guess who got in my car? Bishop Johan. That's John. And a guy named James. And I go, this is the right group. <laughs> Both Malawian pastors. So we get in the car. And I go, what is the Holy Spirit asking us? Let's pray. Just like what we always do. We ask the Lord, right? Don't we do this? When you've received his grace, you say, God, how do you want me to represent you today? And one of the guys said, I want you to go to a hospital. And I know what that means. Malawi hospitals, you guys, are not like uh, the Goshen Hospital. The patients are outside waiting to get in. The visitors are outside all day long cooking their food, which they barely have. It's considered one of the third poorest countries in, in the world. Some say 80% of the country lives off a dollar a day. And he said, let's go to the hospital. So as we walk, as we drive in, uh, and by the way, everywhere we go, uh, like God just opens up doors. The security guard said, well, what do you guys need to do? He said, we just want to pray for the hospital. Oh yeah, sure, go on in. I'm going to say it over and over again. I hope this comes to America. You want to know why? You want to know why it works? Because they're not afraid. They're not afraid what anybody else is going to think. You want to know why? Because God is bigger than their fears. We function in fear. And this guy said, "Yeah, go ahead and pray for the whole hospital." Sure. Well, all right. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh no. And here's the crazy thing is, as we walked in, this is how it literally looked. People just slowly just came and they just sat down. Patients and people, and they just sat. And I, I just, the Lord just said so clearly through the Holy Spirit, just pray for the whole hospital. So I said, I'm gonna pray for healing. I'm not gonna go in every room. I'm not gonna pray. So we prayed for healing for the whole hospital. And then when we were done, we, we shared the gospel. And, and I'll just say this, a lot of people came to know Christ. And I know that because we have all of the records. We have all of their names and we have follow-up. So like when I say there's a lot of numbers, we have some pretty special follow-up. So I go back to this car. And by the way, the president is escorting us everywhere we go with two protocol officers and drivers and vehicles. Do you know what it's like to be escorted by the president? I didn't. This is the first. And as I'm processing, I'm talking to my buddy Chembe, the driver, and I said, man, I'd love to know if somebody got healed in the hospital. He's like, well, maybe they'll call. (laughs) So the next day, sure enough, we get a call. Somebody calls James, and he calls James, and this lady, Malia, which means Mary in Malawian. And this Mary called and said, hey, I was at this gospel presentation yesterday, and I wanted you to know I accepted Christ, and I'm a patient at the hospital. I'm six months pregnant, and my bleeding won't stop. 
You gotta remember, medical stuff there is like, it's a game changer. And so they've asked me, the doctors asked me to abort my six month child that's inside my womb. It's either my life or the baby's. But I accepted Christ and I'm calling to tell you, I went in and I told the doctor that as soon as I received Christ, as it says in Romans 5, I had a peace that came over my life. And I went and told the doctor, even though my bleeding hasn't stopped, you're not gonna kill my baby. And the next day, this lady, Malia, walks into the doctor and there's no bleeding and the baby is alive and kicking. I wanna tell you this story because that's a brand new believer within two minutes of accepting Christ. That's what it means to stand in his grace. When you're so confident and so peaceful that God's gonna move amidst everything, you'll tell a doctor, not today. Dear God, I've been walking with the Lord forever. Don't you wanna have that kind of standing in his grace? You see, when you're saved by his grace, you will begin to stand differently. You'll think differently. You'll talk differently. And you will begin to believe anything is possible. So I'm gonna just slow down for a second, okay? In this process of understanding God's grace, you're saved by grace, amen? Amen. And in order to do that then, in order to be saved, I'm sorry, once you're saved, now you can can stand. But now it's kind of like, now what do I do? (laughs) I want you to go to the third point if we can. And this, this third point, okay, it's pretty simple, but I want you to learn how to hold on to grace. Because the reality is, as you stand in his grace, uh, it's actually pretty hard. You gotta learn how to hold on to his grace no matter what comes your, your way. It says in Hebrews 12, verse 28 and 29, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us hold on to grace. By it, if we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So when you understand that God's grace is moving in your life, guess what? Nothing can shake you. Nothing. No matter how hard your financial situation is, no matter how hard your marriage is at this point, no matter how hard you haven't seen one of your prodigal kids in a long time, no matter what it is, he says, you hold on to my grace. Because he says, I'm bigger. You know, I I think for me, when, when I started the process, what does it mean to hold on to God's grace? You gotta go back to 2 Corinthians 12. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse nine, Laura actually has this on her mirror in her bathroom. It's a great reminder every day. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. I was just asking the Lord for a Kleenex. And I put my hand in my pocket and I had one. You could say, well, you put one there. Man, I haven't worn these pants in a while. (laughs) It's just how it works. Like, this guy's weird. (laughs) I'm telling you, he'll get you through everything. That was actually really cool. I was looking down here. He's like, check your pocket. (laughs) 
if that's all you remember about this message, I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> but look, 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 look. He knows everything. And you hold on to his grace. Colossians 1, 5 through 7, Paul says this, because of the hope reserved for you in heaven, you have already heard about this hope in the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace. Yeah, this is awesome, in the truth. And therefore, it says in Hebrews 4, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. You see, when we hold on to his grace, it means that nothing's gonna phase you today. You lose your job, you're not gonna be phased. You lose a best friend, you're still holding on to his grace. The reality is, is uh, if when you hold on, everything is, <laughs> is coming at us and there's no need to fear. And I think in America, as I have assessed more and more what's happening, the difference between America and Malawi is Malawi recognizes that they have nothing to lose. They need the Lord. They have to hold on to his grace. In an America, we can turn to anything else but God's grace. Thank you. <laughs> Does that make you, do you want me to go get one just to say we got one? <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> now I got two in my pocket. <laughs> I want to tell you something. There's a picture up here. Uh, can you go to the next slide? Um, in January, we ended up meeting with the president, Dr. Lazarus Chekwera. That's the, his excellency in the middle. Uh, and those are some of our friends there. Uh, Sylvan Esch, who's here. Sylvan's up in this picture. Uh, these are what we call the Malawi Seven. They're our national leadership team. And this national leadership team has been established because of Revive School. And so as we continue to go into the country, the president, you guys, I don't ask to describe this. He just continued to open up doors. One of those doors is we met with him in the presidential palace uh, and the guy on the right that has the collar looking like a, a, a more of an orthodox, that's uh, Reverend Brian Comwendo. He is an amazing man of God. He is a spiritual advisor to the president on religious affairs. And Reverend Comwendo uh, has been incredible. He has helped open up doors. He basically speaks on behalf of the president. And so what happens is, and, and I want you to hear this. You can keep this picture up here for a second. Is that when you know who you are in the Lord and you know who sent you, it's almost like a whole new wave of confidence. So do you know what it's like to go into a city, Mizuzu, knowing that you're in the president's cars and you have his advisors behind you, you have officers behind you, you have drivers behind you. It's almost like you walk with such a new authority. But this is the president of a country. Imagine walking with that authority with the king of kings. It just gets better. Uh, let's go to the next slide. You can go there. It's okay, Linda. Um, this is in June. This is, uh, no, yeah, yeah, this is in June. Uh, Revive School is in over 50 countries in Africa alone. We invited 120 leaders from 41 countries, and we met at the presidential palace as guests. I felt like I was living straight out of the Bible. 
And as we went, you can see our team over there, the Americans, they actually made all of us clothes. The Malawians made us clothes. Emily's here, Melinda's here. They made us clothes. It's pretty special, by the way, to give them custom fit clothes and have them made for you. And uh, that's Jude, my son. One of his highlights of Malawi was fist bumping the president. I told my kids it was like the Von Trump family. You know how y'all line up in their outfits? But Maya, Nadia, Sela, and Jude got to meet along with my father-in-law. Uh, and by the way, Dr. Lazarus Chakwera uh, is a born-again believer. He used to be the president of the Malawi Assembly of God Seminary for the whole nation. And his name is Lazarus. <laughs> he has a vision for the nation of Malawi. By 2063, there would be a mindset change. This is how God works. You know what mindset change really means? Repent. <laughs> the government and church can actually work together. Hello? I got interviewed by multiple journalists and they said, do you really think this can work, these two relationships? I said, yeah, we both wanna serve the people. All in his glory. I want you to go back to that picture again. Uh, we're sitting at the head table to the right. That's my wife, Laura. That's the first lady, by the way. Uh, and that's the president, that's me. And then that's the minister of mining next to me. You guys realize I went with one message. Do you know what the message was? <laughs> what was it? Repent. repent. Share the gospel, repent. And this is what he's done. I'm telling you, when you hold on to God's grace, nothing will shake you. Nothing. I want you to go back to this picture again. In the middle, uh, that's our American team. I think we stand out. <laughs> and then those are the protocol officers sent by the president. He has, I believe Sylvan is 18, is that right? I think 16 or 18 protocol officers and we are given two for two weeks. And guess what they did with us? They shared the gospel wherever we went. In fact, I baptized a couple of them in that picture. You see, when you go with the same mindset, I actually think a nation could change. And I know this sounds extremely weird, but I go back to the time that I had a dream in my bed and all he said was, is ask the president to call the nation to repent. And I began to get it. When you understand you've been saved by his grace, you can stand in his grace. And then as you stand in his grace, guess what? You hold on and nothing will phase what he's asked you to do. But do you see the progression? I always say this whenever we speak, the first voice that you hear, if you're saved by his grace, is the Holy Spirit's. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to every one of you if you know the Lord. But the second voice is you trying to figure out was that his voice in the first place. And then the third voice is the enemy, Satan, saying you never heard from him in the first place. I know I say that over and over and over again. But when you understand the progression of how the Lord wants to speak to you, you'll begin to hold on to his grace and nothing will get in the way. I remember when I called the, the president's office and I said, hey, we're coming back in a month. They said, why are you coming back so soon? You see, when people do crusades in Africa, many, many times, they don't come back for five, 10 plus years because the Lord said, if you want people to repent and turn to the Lord, guess what? You need to see the fruit of repentance. That's what Jesus talked about. We wanna see people doing the works worthy of repentance. 
If I believe repentance is real in America, we should see fruit. I'm tired of gatherings in America that are calling people to repent and then jack squat happens. You can say, well, that's pretty forward. It's not, it's real. It's real. If there's real repentance, you will see a change in my life. Every time a journalist would come up to me behind the stadium, before a stadium, outside, we met with the inspector general, okay, over all of the Malawi police. And when we were done, we prayed over 100 leaders. And when we, when we started, we walked into the room and everybody stood up for the inspector general. And she said, sit down. This is a church service. Nobody needs to stand up for me. And I was like, well, nice to meet you. And I'm telling you guys this. When people of leadership and people that are serving, when we all are in this together and our identity ends the Lord, we could see a move of God. The journalist kept asking, how do you know this is gonna be a real, real revival? How do you know this is gonna be a real crusade? I said, I don't know actually. They never liked that answer. They go, what do you mean? I said, well, it depends if you change. It depends if I change. It depends if your lifestyle looks different than what it did yesterday. That's the only way I'll know if this thing is real. And we went back, you guys, and as we go back, here, here's the fourth point. Your fourth point is pretty simple, but I actually think it's a game changer in understanding God's grace. So you've been saved by his grace, you're standing in his grace, you're holding on to his grace, now how do you steward his grace? How do you steward his grace that's been given to you? Now watch in 1 Peter 4.10. 1 Peter 4.10 says, based on the gift each one has received, Use it to serve others. As good managers of the varied grace of God. Does that make sense? So what does it mean, right, to, to be stewards, to steward the grace of God? It says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by God's grace I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not ineffective. However, I worked with more than any of them, yet not I, but God's grace that was, look at this, was with me. You know what this says to me right here? This says that God's grace is working through me and I did something with it. You're not, man, I was at the airport yesterday. It was super weird. It was super weird. There's a lot of weird things you see. I saw a guy standing in a corner like this. The walls were right here. And I thought, what is that guy doing? And right away, the Lord just says, he's, this was a spiritual image, not him for me. He's not stewarding what he's been given. I'm not talking about him, okay? Does that make sense? But many of us have these gifts that God's given us, and we're so afraid. We have our back turned to everybody, and we don't want to walk out what we've been given. If every one of us walks out what we've been given in a factory, in a hardware store, in a school, in a home. You guys, this Elkhart County would not have a chance but experiencing the grace of God. If we stewarded what we've been given, what you've been given. For me, I was called to Malawi to steward this gift. That's it. That's not maybe your call, but you have one. It says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you. So that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. <laughs> do, do you see that his grace is constantly being poured out on you? But you don't understand this unless you're saved by his grace. 
And when you understand who you are in the Lord and you're holding on to his grace, you will begin to steward it. You'll begin to steward it. Got another text here for you. It comes in uh, Ephesians 3. It's a little bit longer, but I'll just read part of it. It says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, you have heard, haven't you, about the administration of God's grace that he gave to me for you. Just as a reference, you can write down Ephesians 3, 1 through 9. I won't, I won't read it for the sake of time, but I want you to understand something. That, like, there are gifts that every one of you God has given. What would be a gift? Somebody help me out. What's a gift? Just shout one out. Encouragement. Encouragement. Amen. Wouldn't it be awful if the person with encouragement stared at somebody that was lonely and depressed because they were afraid to go up and talk to them? They never expressed the encouragement. But God's plan was for you to steward that gift to that person. Okay, what's another gift? Hospitality. Hospitality. Praise the Lord. Like I, I learned a lot from my mother, Gloria. My parents are Larry and Gloria, and my, my mom is so hospitable. And that's a gift from the Lord. And then guess what? I feel the presence of the Lord when I experience my mom's hospitality. Amen? Amen. I want us to understand what it means that you have been asked to steward his gifts, steward his grace. I got a couple pictures up here, uh, if you can. Uh, this is just this last week. <laughs> uh, part of my calling in life is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry to get people ready for the return of Christ. And these are all pastors and leaders and facilitators that are now gonna be launching Revive School. 397 new groups in Malawi are starting, Genesis through Revelation. Amen. Uh, you remember all the thousands of believers? Praise the Lord. We're not asked to go and make converts. He says, go and make disciples. I've learned a lot over my years. And stewarding doesn't mean you get it right all the time, by the way. Steward, it means you're actually doing something, though. And do not be afraid to fail, please. Do not be afraid to be like, oh, I don't know what this is gonna look like. But when you're stewarding his grace, guess what? He'll give you what you need. I met with the commissioner general of all of Malawi prisons. There's 31 prisons. I walk into this meeting, Sylvan was there, and as we sit down, as we sit down, uh, we realize that in our conversation, he has given us permission to do revive school in all 31 prisons across the country. Wow. And he said, do you think that our staff could do a separate one besides just the inmates and the offenders? It's like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You see, when God's grace is so real and you steward it, it just overflows. We're praying that we can take cabbage every quarter to these prisons and soap, 200 Bibles, pens, journals to every prison. And by the way, they asked even for help if we could send some direction just for the prisons from maybe just a stewarded side, not, not just ministry, but could you help us just with the whole prison side of things even? 
I don't know anything about that. We've been given an open door in all of the Malawi prisons. By the way, the inspector general of the Malawi police, 16,000 officers, they asked us to get into 11 of their headquarters and start revive school for all the officers. I cry because it's God's grace. Uh, we met with the Minister of Education. By the way, that's a cabinet member in the government. It'd be like the Department of Education in the US. We sat down, Sylvan and I and a team, and as we sat down even at this table, you guys, we're launching five schools in Malawi to do Revive School. And if it works, we wanna take it to a whole lot more schools in the country. He's asked us to steward his grace. Don't try to figure it out, please. Because then that becomes your plan, not, not his. But it goes back to once you were saved by his grace and you stand in his grace and you hold on to it, he'll begin to speak to you and say, you know what, this is what I want for your life. Steward it. Man, it's crazy. I got one last point. Uh, it's pretty straightforward. When you steward his grace... <laughs> You cannot stay in that place, by the way. You have to grow in the grace. You can't just steward it and say, okay, this is good. I'm going to keep doing it. Man, I want to grow in his grace. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Tony, by the way. Second Peter 3.18, it just says this. Uh, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. But grow in the grace. So what does it mean to grow in the grace? It means very, very simply to have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a verse that backs this up in Ephesians 6, verse 24. It says this, grace be all who, grace be with all who have an undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry. What this means to me in growing in the grace of God, it means you can never turn this thing off. You can't, you can't turn it off. I don't care who you're talking to. I don't care what country you're in. I don't care where you work. When you grow in the grace of God, it means because you're so sold out for the Lord. Just as we sang earlier, you're surrendering it all. You're like, this is too radical. He asks us to be radical. The church, we gotta wake up. And when America begins to figure that out, I actually begin, believe we'll begin to follow what's happening in Malawi. And it just means, God, I, I just wanna surrender everything. I got a sweet picture of my family here, up here, I believe. This is uh, my crew. This is Laura in the middle. And then Maya is between us. Maya is going to college this Wednesday to Baylor, our first, first freshman going to college. It's kind of, kind of surreal. Nadia's on the blue on the outside. She's gonna be a, um, a junior. Sayla's next to her in the green. She's gonna be a freshman. And then Jude is my little 11-year-old boy. And this is our crew that they came to Malawi with us. And I'm just gonna tell you, you guys, you send us to do these things. I represent my family, I represent the ministry, but I represent the Lord, but this is our little team. And when we talk about growing in the grace of the Lord, I wanna tell you a story 
about my daughter, Selah. When you grow in his grace, it means you deny godliness, by the way, and worldly things. You see, my kids had to say no to camps this summer to come here. That might not sound like anything, but when you give up your youth group trips and you give up your summer things, this is what I'm talking about. Does this make sense? Growing in the grace of God means you're letting everything go. It means that you're beginning to walk in a new authority. And, you know, Selah was a part of the team with Melinda, and they would go into these schools. So in the Crusades, we would send teams that would go to the schools. We sent to 17 schools. We went to farms where we delivered seed and fertilizer. And then we would go also into prison. Selah and my family was on the school team. And as they went to places, one day Selah came home at night from Malawi at the hotel and she said, Dad, every time I started praying for people that had glasses, they'd take their glasses off and they never had to use them again. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, they'd start reading the the Bible and they didn't have to have their glasses anymore. I was like, Selah, you understand? She said, yes, I know, Dad. Selah began to see healing come through my daughter's gift. I don't understand how it works But if you believe encouragement is a gift, you gotta also believe healing is a gift as well, amen? Amen. And so later that week, Selah came to me again and she said, Dad, I went to school again and we were in a car and we got a video two days later. And this video showed a young girl and I said, tell me the story. There was a team of five of them, right Melinda? And they decided to anoint a young Muslim girl's feet. She had never walked in her life, 12 year old girl named Jennifer. They anointed her feet, they prayed for healing, and then they never heard anything. Two days later, we get a video of this picture. And there's a picture up here of a young girl on the left, and she began to walk for the first time in her life. Come on! You see, when you begin to steward the gifts that he's given you, you'll grow in them. And Selah began to grow. My 14-year-old daughter, you guys, that I grew up here, we grew up in Dallas, like, we're not talking anything crazy, but when you steward it, he gets the glory. Here's the sad part about this whole story. Her parents are Muslim, and they refuse to let her sit up out of the chair anymore. Because if she walks, guess who gets the glory? So you can pray for Jennifer's family, the Muslim parents, to release her to out of the chair because we have testified and have already seen two weeks later, this girl is walking. It's real. But I wanna challenge every one of us as we wrap up. Every one of us can grow in the grace of God. <laughs> uh. The last uh, verse here, Revelation 22, 21. Thank you for your patience as we go through the word today. Uh, Revelation 22, 21 says, uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. Uh, I'm gonna ask the prayer team. Can I have the prayer team just to come up and line up? Is that okay? That'd be awesome, please. I don't know who that would be, but... We've challenged you today, Lord willing, as an encouragement, uh, just five phases of God's grace. And the very first phase is just 
Maybe some of you need to be saved by God's grace. That's it. You, you, don't, you can't even move on, but you need Christ in your life. Maybe some of you are just like, man, I, I'm saved, but I'm not doing anything. I just need to stand in his grace. Reality is that some of you might be going through a really, really hard time. And you're like, man, I'm just going through a fire right now. I just need to hold on to his grace, and I just need somebody to pray with me. But some of us, I think you're already past this, and I don't mean it by levels. It's just that's where you're at in life. Some of you are just saying, I, I want to know how to steward this gift. I, I, I believe God's given me some gifts. I just don't know what does that look like. And come and ask. We want you to be prayed for. I'm telling you this. And some of you are just like, man, I am so ready to grow in the grace of God. But here's what I want to just say. Please don't miss this moment to be prayed over so that you can be set free. I, I'm serious. Like if a kid from Middlebury could see what we're seeing in Malawi, you can see that in your own hometown. Anything is possible. Uh, Sylvan, Connie, Tripp, Melinda, can you guys come on up? We're just gonna need more people to pray. So can you guys just come on up if that's okay? Here's what I wanna do. Can I, I just, this isn't some crazy emotional thing. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. But if you wanna be prayed for and you wanna walk into some of these things, I want you to come up and get prayed over. And here's the deal. Some of you are like, I gotta go to lunch. Go to lunch. But I also wanna say, don't miss this, please. I believe God's speaking to your hearts right now. And he wants to use you for his kingdom. And he's looking for people that are available. And if you're asking for prayer, would you just please come forward? You might wanna just spread out, maybe more just across the board. And if there aren't people, enough people up here to pray for them, grab somebody in the row and pray with them. And so if we can do that, let's, let's pray. Let's just stand together. And, um... Lord, our hearts... And our minds hear what was spoken today. We just need to be obedient to go and do it. I want to be a person. And I know this church, this, this group of believers, we want to be on the front line. We want to be completely sold out and surrendered to the grace that is in us and to the message of that grace and we want to grow in it and we want to steward it and we want you to use it. So help us in our weakness. You've told us that you would and so we pray for that and we ask for that. And as we leave here, um, when I finish this prayer, those of you who want prayer for this, for, this, for the courage and for the strength, um, a, a new refreshed commitment to stewarding and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, um, you just come on. As everyone's going in the back, you just come on up to the front. We would love to pray over that for you. But I want to just say this too. If you don't know the Lord, you have not received his grace yet, you have not um, received his salvation by grace today. The offer is available to you to come. In fact, I will be here 
to receive you and to shake your hand and help you find Jesus. If that is what you need to do today. If you're online with us and you want help and you want prayer, you can just reach out to us online. But Lord, strengthen us in this and use us. Um, Continue to strengthen and use Kyle and his whole team with Time to Revive and his family. Um, What amazing time we live in. Bless him and encourage him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You can come on to the front if you want some prayer.